Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends, some very exciting news. I've got a new book coming out. It comes out in March, but copies are available now or very soon. It's called From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. And just like it sounds, it's my story. All about uh, growing up in a small town in Delaware, how I ended up on national television from that little start, which took me through the seminary, studying for the priesthood to California, working for Jerry Brown, doing TV in L.A., coming back to Washington for CNN for Crossfire and the Spin Room on MSNBC with Pat Buchanan. It's been a great run, a lot of fun, met a lot of great people, had a lot of interesting experiences, and I wanted to share it all with you, tell that story. And we do here, Bill Press from the left, Copies available right now. You can order a signed copy. If you go to our website, BillPressShow.com, with a 40% discount, the book will cost you only $16.79, BillPressShow.com. And the first 100 of you who order uh, from the left will also get a free signed copy of one of my earlier six books. You know, to sum it all up, uh, the great Henry Miller once said, So whether the world is going to pieces or not, Whether you are on the side of the angels or the devil himself, take life for what it is. Have fun, spread joy, and confusion. I've tried to do that all of my life. This is the story of it. Bill Press from the left. Get your copy today. Go to BillPressShow.com. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Okay, so not applauding for Donald Trump is treason? Yeah, well then call me a traitor. Hey, what do you say? On a Tuesday, Tuesday, February 6th, hello, 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 and welcome. Welcome to the program this morning, the Bill Press Show, that is, uh, as we join you all across this great country, the United States of America, and around the globe with all the news of the day, our take on the news of the day, some of the best guests you'll find anywhere uh, in on radio or television, uh, the experts on the news of the day, and all of you who follow the news, who are interested in the news, who know, want to know what's going on, want to know how long we can stand this madman in the White House, how we can possibly survive. Uh, well, that's what we're all about here. The Center of the Resistance on the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us today with lots and lots to talk about. Yes, indeed, Donald Trump did call Democrats who did not stand wildly and applaud at everything he said in the State of the Union, traitors. They were treasonous. They were un-American. And meanwhile, Donald Trump brags about the Dow and how far the Dow has climbed since he's been president. He brags about it every day. 
Uh, except yesterday. He didn't talk about it yesterday uh, when he's giving a speech bragging about the economy in Ohio and the market. Uh, the Dow took its biggest dive, one-day dive ever in history. So much to talk about, so much you are going to want to comment on. We love to hear from you. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll follow them and share your comments with the rest of our viewers and listeners today. We'll jump right into it. But first, Peter Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. All right. So I got, I got sort of thinning hair, right? Like I'm starting to go a little bit bald. It's freaking me out a little bit. So I've got a solution. I'm going to start eating more McDonald's. It sounds crazy, but Japanese scientists have discovered a possible cure for baldness, and it all has to do with a chemical that they use in making McDonald's fries. So you'll have hair, but you'll be fat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But right. my hair is going to look great. You'll weigh. You'll be like Trump. You'll weigh three hundred and fifty pounds. But have a lot of. But have a lot of great hair. Yeah. Uh, the chemical is called dimethylpolysiloxane. It's a silicone that's added to McDonald's fries to stop the cooking oil from frothing. Mmm, doesn't that sound delicious? And they wait, used... Wait, wait, stop. Go Can ahead. you imagine how many <laughs> chemicals they no. put into the preparation of the, no, I mean, uh, all uh, that food? I mean, imagine, this is a silicone that they add to potatoes... Uh, uh, yeah, I hear you. ...to yeah. keep the cooking oil from frothing. That's no. just one thing. I know, like, that's right. All these no, other imagine things. all the other. Yeah, yeah, right. Anyway, Japanese scientists at the Yokohama National University have used a method to regrow hair on mice by using this same silicone, and they say... The pre preliminary tests indicated that the method would be just as successful if you transferred it to human skin cells. Can I interrupt a little bit? You sure can. That reminds I read over the weekend about another study that just came out that proves that cell phones, you cannot get cancer from cell phones. Oh, okay. Right? They, they, they That's did been study. a long-time thing. That study is based on a study that they that reports, based on the study that they did with mice and rats. Okay. Now... I haven't seen a rat yet walking around with a cell phone. <laughs> this picture of these little mice, do they have little cell phones? Little tiny little cell phones. For these mice. Well, they can't around. get the iPhone Plus. they got to get the smaller version. It's too big. It's too big. <laughs> uh, well, one more day of Super Bowl stories because the Philadelphia Eagles won. Donald Trump tweeted congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles, though we now know that some of them will not be going to the White House. Malcolm Jenkins. Chris Long and Tory Smith have all come out and said, we will not be going to the White House if we are invited. Those are the three Eagles uh, players that have come forward already. I'm sure there will be more uh, who will say that they are not going. Will Trump invite them? He will probably invite them. He will probably invite them. This would be my They guess. did invite the Warriors. No, but that's the NBA. Yeah. So I, who knows? This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, live by the Dow, die by the Dow. That's what Donald Trump learned yesterday as the market plummeted. Right as he's giving a speech about how great the economy is doing out in Cincinnati, Ohio. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Here we are back together again on a Tuesday, Tuesday, February 5, uh, 6, rather. Yep, clock is ticking. 
Great to see you today. And good to have you with us uh, as we tackle the big stories of the day with all of you all across this great land of ours. Uh, joining you online on the radio and on television, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Don't forget, sign up, sign up, and be a regular member of The Bill Press team. By the way, if you go to, as you mentioned, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, we are very, very, very close to hitting another milestone in our subscribers. So it's very important that you actually hit the subscribe button. Like you yeah. see the link that we put out on, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, and it's great if you click on that. But once you click on it, make sure you hit subscribe when you're there because that way you get all of our good content. <laughs> all right. We need you. We need you. And we count on you to do that. On the radio, how about it? Uh, look at you, Chicago, today on WCPT. Uh, great to see you and great to see you in Indiana on Indiana, in Indianapolis. Indiana Talks also all through the state of Indiana, and on television, looking good on Free Speech TV. Lots and lots to talk about today. Yes, indeed, Donald Trump did call Democrats traitors yesterday. Uh, the Dow did crash, biggest crash uh, ever in one day. It, we are now two days from another government shutdown. Uh, not quite as much tension as there was the last time because nobody thinks they're actually going to shut the government down again, but... They don't have a deal yet. They're not even talking about a deal yet. And uh, let's see, where is that big vote on immigration that Mitch McConnell promised? And where is that action on the Dreamers that Mitch McConnell promised? Haven't seen anything about that yet, have we? And uh, in a big surprise, actually, the House uh, Intelligence Committee, I don't think they had any choice, but they did vote unanimously to release the Democratic memo, or as we call it, the demo memo. Uh, yeah, where do we start? Let's start with Louis Catars. Yeah, you know, uh, probably one of the worst and most notorious uh, kings of all time, Louis Catars of France. Uh, he's the guy that brought about the revolution, even though he didn't lose his head in the revolution. Um, but Louis Catars, who famously said, l'état. C'est moi. Roughly translated, I am the state. So if you cross me, if you don't like me, if you don't applaud me, what Louis Catars was saying, then you are against the state. You are committing treason. That's exactly what Donald Trump said yesterday. Unfreaking believable. In a speech on the economy, he's talking about the State of the Union. And we know what the State of the Union was like. By the way, we know what every State of the Union is like. That's why I hate them. That's, I seriously think we ought to get rid of them. Because they become nothing but political rallies. You heard me say this last week. They're, they're nothing but campaign events. And so when Barack Obama was president, oh, God, I wish he were back. Barack Obama's president, right? He'd say some of the Democrats would cheer, and the Republicans would just sit there on their on their hands, right? In fact, at one time, one Republican hollered out, "You lie!" Right? But the Republicans would just they, they you know they grumble. Maybe once a night, uh, Obama would say something that everybody could stand and applaud for, right? But otherwise, it was one side cheering, the other side just grumbling, saying doing nothing. Okay, now, multiply that by 10, and that's the way it was uh, last Tuesday. A week ago, a week ago today, 
where the Republicans were absolutely— God, was it, it was just a week, I a guess. Week. Yeah, you're right. And the Republicans were absolutely childishly giddy. I mean, they really did look like kids at a Chuck E. Cheese thing, you know, cheering every little— Every little, every everything Donald Trump said. I mean, he got a farted. They would have, they would have, they would have cheered, uh, and, and in a very silly way. And the Democrats were just saying, "Come on, we've heard enough of this," and especially when Trump said things like, "Yeah, well, Americans are dreamers too," a real put down, a real racist statement, or when he said, "Oh yeah, um, the national anthem. We have to be. We all have to." You know, Basically, he was referring to the, the few NFL players who took a knee and didn't stand for the national anthem, uh, dragging that. Remember, he called them sons of bitches on the, on uh, at, at one campaign rally, um, presidential rally, I should say, not a campaign rally. Uh, so Democrats are gonna, not going to what they going to cheer for that like the Republicans did. Hell no. Yesterday, this has been getting under Donald Trump's uh, skin. You know that for a whole week. And by the way, a week is a long time in Trump world. <laughs> and all this time, he has seen, as you and I have seen, maybe I have, on Fox and Friends, for two, three days, all they talked about was the fact that the Democrats wouldn't cheer, wouldn't applaud. All they showed were pictures of Nancy Pelosi sitting there, biting her lip, and, and just saying, this is disgusting, this is disgusting, which is what you and I were all saying at home. So what are the Democrats going to do, pretend to like that guy? Pretend to like the crap that he's sending out? Uh-uh. So Trump yesterday, he comes out and says, all right, let's call it what it is. It's not just bad manners. It is treason. And it got to a point where I really didn't even want to look too much during the speech over to that side. Because honestly, it was bad energy. Oh, Oh. No, it's bad energy. Oh. You're up there. Oh. You've got half the room going totally crazy, wild. They loved everything. They want to do something great for our country. Yeah, they're idiots. And you have the other side, even on positive news, really positive news, like that, they were like death <laughs> and un-American. <laughs> un-American. Un-American, yeah. Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not? Can we call that treason? Why not? Treason. Treason. Yeah, I guess why not? Why not? Why not? I'll tell you why not. Because it's not treason. It's not wrong. Let me tell you, for once and for all, Mr. Idiot President, right? You can criticize the President of the United States. That's not treason. You don't. You cannot like Barack Obama. Eight years under Barack Obama. I never said anybody who disagreed with Barack Obama or criticized Barack Obama, was a traitor to this country. I mean, l'etat is not moi, right? Donald Trump is not the United States of America. I got to tell you, I wouldn't cross the street to shake hands with him. I wouldn't have my picture taken with him at the White House Christmas party. Of course, then I wasn't invited anyhow, and he didn't take pictures. But so call me a traitor. By his definition, I'm a traitor. Yeah, why not? Treason. I mean, you know, there comes a point where, you know, you can cross the line. I think at this one, Donald Trump really crossed the line. There's one crime defined in the Constitution, by the way. It's the crime of treason. It's the, and you know why? First of all, here's what it says. Tre Article 3, Section 3. Treason against the United States shall consist only 
in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Notice, only, treason is only in levying war against the United States or giving aid and comfort to our enemies. Now, why did the Founding Fathers uh, define that in the Constitution, and why did they say it's only by basically declaring war against the United States or actually aiding our enemies? Because they knew that some people could say, oh, if you don't like the government, if you don't like the government, or if you don't like the president, or you don't like what he's doing, that they could be declared a traitor. And they wanted to allow for freedom of expression, freedom of criticism, that people could freely, freely stand in front of the White House and say, you're an a-hole or whatever, without getting arrested for it or called a traitor. They, in other words, they were warning against the very thing that Donald Trump did yesterday in the Constitution. But you talk about treason. Oh, let's, So let's talk about that. Aiding or abetting your enemies, giving aid and comfort to your enemies. Um, well, I would say not applauding at the State of the Union doesn't fit that definition, but maybe uh, inviting, maybe praising Vladimir Putin over and over again, saying what a strong leader he is. <laughs> that might be treason. How about um, maybe uh, calling for the Russians to hack Hillary Clinton's emails? Hey, Russia, come on. He said that. He did that. Um, maybe that might be treason. How about inviting the Russian ambassador and the Russian foreign minister to the Oval Office and telling them state secrets, revealing intelligence? Uh, I think that's treason. I'd count that. I'd count that as treason. Damn right I'd count that as 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 treason. Um, you know, how about having a meeting in Trump Tower with... Uh, <laughs> With Russian representatives who want to interfere in the election and provide dirt on t Donald Trump's opponent, um, Steve Bannon called that treason. Yeah, I guess why not? Mm-hmm. Steve Bannon called that treason, said they should have cut the air. So, Mr. Trump, you better be a little careful here, right? But all I got to say, if, if not applauding Donald Trump, if not liking Donald Trump, if not willing to have your picture taken with Donald Trump, if not standing and cheering Donald Trump, if all of that amounts to treason, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged, and you know what? Proud of it. Yeah, so much for Donald Trump yesterday on the treason. And then on the other front, uh, <clears throat> by the way, yeah. <clears throat> so what has Donald Trump talked about every day, like for the last year? How great the market is doing. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, this is the Trump bump, right? The Trump economy. Look at the Dow. He talks about the Dow ever constantly until yesterday. Uh, not even over the weekend. What? So this whole slide started on Friday, of course. And yesterday, yesterday the Dow went down 1,600 points, uh, came back up. But it was the largest single day drop in history of the Dow. It was remarkable because we, Trump was speaking. He was giving that speech where he called Democrats tra traitors, yeah, treasonous. and talking about the economy. And everybody had to cut away from that speech. I mean, look, the cable news is—they've learned that Donald Trump's speeches, because of the 
unpredictable nature of them are good TV. So they all carry them live, and they all had to cut away to go to yeah. to, to look well, at this for a while, news. For a while, they had the split screen, right? Split right, screen, right, right. which is which is it, it, that's killer, killer. Uh, and then uh, they cut away from the to to go to the Dow. So the Dow actually uh, it uh, it plunged to fifteen hundred points. Friday it went down six hundred and sixty six points. Yesterday it went down fifteen hundred, and then bounced back and only ended about eleven seventy five at eleven seventy five down again. It was a record one day drop. This bull market has been going on, by the way, since March the ninth, two thousand and nine. 2009, so the last four years, really, uh, under uh, under Barack Obama, uh, that's when the mar- bull market began. And so you knew, you I mean, we all knew this thing could not last. I mean, the Dow goes up, the Dow goes down, right? Um, and there are, Paul Krugman makes this point this morning, there are only three things you need to know about the economy and the stock market when you want to talk to the stock market. The first thing is the, the the market, stock market, is not the economy. The second thing you need to know is the stock market is not the economy. And the third thing you need to know is the stock market is not the economy. So we can overemphasize easily the importance of the Dow. But it is one reflection of the economy. doesn't mean the economy is going to, to hell in the handbasket necessarily. Only 54% of Americans actually own any stock at all through mutual fund or whatever. But it is an indicator, and you can't brag about how well the Dow is doing and take credit for it without owning it once it goes down. And that's Donald Trump's problem. You know, and when I was uh, at at the briefings every day under Barack Obama, I often asked this question to Jay Carney or to Robert Gibbs or others, why, when the Dow was doing great and the Dow kept climbing up, and I said, why isn't the president taking a victory lap? Why isn't the president, why isn't Barack Obama taking credit for this burst uh, and boost of the Dow? And, you know, they always said, we're just not going to do that. And they were very smart looking back. They were smart not to do that. Jay Carney tweeted this out yesterday. The reason we never took credit for the Dow going up is because we know it's only one reflection of the economy. It's not the economy. And what goes up can easily come down. And when it does come down, you own it. And so it's only because Donald Trump brags so much about the Dow that now he is saddled with it and he's going to have to explain it. Of course, the White House immediately did. They were... They were shocked yesterday because they knew uh, how bad it looked in Cincinnati when the president is talking about how great things are and the cable news, the other side of the screen, is showing how things are going down uh, so fast. Uh, so the White House did finally put out a statement and said, well, we're just interested in the long term, not in a one-day uh, gain or loss. And in the long term, uh, all the... Um, all the economic indicators are sound. It was uh, it was kind of funny watching them try to squeeze out of that. But for Donald Trump, uh, the timing could not have been worse yesterday. It was pretty embarrassing. Maybe to our surprise, moving right along, yesterday the House Intelligence Committee. Remember, it was uh, just uh, last week that they voted to release, uh, despite the objections of the FBI and the Justice Department. Uh, the memo prepared by uh, 
uh, House Chairman uh, Devin Nunez, which claims that the FBI and the Justice Department were in Hillary's back pocket when they tried to get a when they did get a FISA warrant to put surveillance on Trump aide Carter Page. Adam Schiff, ranking Democrat on the committee, had prepared a 10-page rebuttal to Devin Nunez's three-and-a-half-page memo, which the committee at the time refused to release. Donald Trump released publicly the Republican memo on Friday. Uh, so House members uh, on this committee then had to decide, all right, now what are we going to do about this Democratic memo? Surprise the hell out of me. I thought they would fight it, but I think they realized that after calling for last week, transparency, we need transparency, we need to get this memo out, they really had no choice yesterday, and they did vote unanimously. Every Republican, every Democrat voted unanimously to release the Democratic memo. Now it goes to the White House, where Donald Trump has five days to decide what he will do. Will he release a Democratic memo as well? Uh, here's Adam Schiff saying, yeah, uh, you can give credit to Republicans, but really they had no choice but to release the memo. The majority found themselves in an insupportable position when they released a misleading memo and refused to release the Democratic response. So I think they were compelled uh, to take the action they did today. Um, and we think this will be very useful information for the American people to see. All right. Uh, there it is. Uh, by the way, so what's going to happen down at the White House? Uh, we'll ask our guests about that. But uh, Jonathan Carl, uh, chief White House reporter for ABC News yesterday. And again, I was surprised to hear this, but John's, uh, John's got great sources. He's a good reporter. Uh, he thinks that uh, Donald Trump will uh, put this one out as well. White House officials tell me that he is inclined to authorize the release of the memo. And it's important to point out the committee's vote was unanimous. Every Democrat and every Republican on that committee voting to make that memo public. Yeah, that is significant. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. You made this point uh, yesterday after the show. We were saying that the Democratic, me the demo memo. Was demo going, memo. We was like going, <laughs> demo memo. I haven't heard that anywhere else. I think that's ours. Uh, but that. They got so backed into a corner, these Republicans, with this memo, right? And they got so much grief for it, and it was such a severe reaction. And, by the way, it is so manifestly thin yeah. and doesn't come anywhere close to saying what they said it was going to say and certainly doesn't come anywhere close to, quote, unquote, vindicating Donald Trump. But, you know, look, I mean, Donald Trump, what does he have to lose by releasing it? Right. Like he can he makes up stuff as he goes along. Right. He'll make up something about this, too. So he'll just release it and 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 still cling on to the Republican memo that was put out. Uh, yes. And uh, right. What he'll say <laughs> what he'll say when he releases it is that this was put together uh, by Adam Schiff. <laughs> little Adam Schiff. Little Adam Schiff. He called him yesterday. So, you know, you've made it, man, when you get a nickname from Donald Trump. OK. <laughs> Devin Nunez didn't get a nickname. Oh, yes, he did. He called him a hero Yeah, yesterday. that's right. That's the, right. The yeah. heroic well, it's Devin hardly Nunez. a nickname, but anyhow. The heroic. So he called him Little Adam Schiff. Uh, here's Donald Trump Street. Little Adam Schiff, who is desperate to run for higher office. Um, let me see. Has Adam Schiff declared for governor of California? That's, that's up yet. this year. Huh? Not yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, right? Uh, has Adam Schiff said he's going to run against Dianne Feinstein for U.S. Senate from California? That's up this year. They're the only two higher offices that are up, mm, uh, that are available. Uh, he's not declared for either one, so anyhow. 
uh, Donald Trump. Little Adam Schiff, who is desperate to run for higher office, is one of the biggest liars and leakers in Washington, right up there with Comey, James Comey, former FBI director, Warner, Mark Warner, the ranking <laughs> Democrat on. on Senate Intelligence, Brennan, former head of the CIA, and Clapper, former head of the uh, NSA, right? I was so, just surprised Donald you Trump know what? knew that's who those pretty guys good. were. That's pretty good company for Adam Yeah, Schiff. sure. Yeah, well, maybe, do you think Scavino wrote this? I don't know. It had to be. But I loved, I loved Donald Trump's, I mean, Adam Schiff's response. Uh, so he tweeted back, quote, Mr. President, I see you've had a busy morning of executive time. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that executive time, of course, is when he's uh, in the mansion watching TV and tweeting away. Uh, Adam Schiff continues, quote, instead of tweeting false smears, the American people would appreciate it if you turned off the TV and helped solve the funding crisis, protected dreamers, or really anything else. Yeah, anything. Uh, yeah, um, I think Donald, I think uh, Adam Schiff gets the better of that exchange. Look, anytime that a politician or a broadcaster or anybody uses uh, Donald Trump's executive time, quote unquote, mm -hmm. as a put down, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, right. Uh, so he's got five days till the end of the week. Uh, I think they've. I think. Uh, um, I, I actually believe that Donald Trump would sit on this memo and find some excuse for not releasing it. But Jonathan Carl may be right. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, on that. Uh, tell you about our guest today. We've got a great lineup from Hoshi Hinonosa, who is the communications director for the DNC Democratic National Committee. Will be joining us. Joined by our good friend from uh, USA Today, Washington Enterprise editor Ray Locker, who'll be here as a friend of Bill for from seven thirty. Well, or for the next hour, let's put it that way, depending on your time zone. And Andrew Restuccia, who covers the White House for uh, Politico, also joining us in studio as well. And one other, one more reminder: don't forget, this is your chance. Mentioned for the first time yesterday. My new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire, coming out March 20, but you can get an advanced copy, signed copy, uh, by going to our website, BillPressShow.com. Look, I've had a great run so far, and this is my story. Um, lots, lots of interesting stuff. So what was it like to be there uh, at CNN uh, on Crossfire, in the Crossfire days? What was it like? Uh, hanging out with, ta tackling and debating with Pat Buchanan, Bob Novak, Mary Madeline, Tucker Carlson, uh, all the big conservatives. I was the only one on the left. They were the rotating cast on the right. Uh, those Crossfire days, what were the best moments of Crossfire? What were the most embarrassing moments of Crossfire? Why the hell did CNN cancel the Crossfire show? It's all right here in this uh, From the Left uh, comes out again in March, but sign up now for your advanced copy, for your signed copy. And special deal, so go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Uh, we've arranged for a for our viewers and our listeners a 40% discount, which means the book goes for sixteen seventy nine, about $10 less than you'd pay, more than that, than you'd pay uh, in any bookstore. And if you sign up, first 100 of you will get a free copy, in addition to this, a free copy 
of one of my earlier books, also signed. Um, and uh, again, first 100. So don't wait around. Do it today. Get yourself on that first 100 list. Again, Bill, Bill Press from the left, A Life in the Crossfire. Um, my run so far, and it's been a great story. And I want to tell you uh, all about it. That's why I put the book together. Uh, by the way, you'd be amazed at some of the uh, <clears throat> blurbs on the back. From the left and from the right. How about from the left? Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Maxine Waters, Rosa DeLauro. Man. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> well. How about from the right? Got Tucker, trouble last time. Tucker Carlson, Joe Scarborough, Ann Coulter. Oh, my God. Get the book. All right. We'll be right back uh, with uh, our first two guests, Ray Locker and Hoshi Hinanosa from the DNC. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go again on the Bill Press Show this Tuesday, February 6th. So good to see you today. Thanks so much for being with us as we come to you live from uh, our nation's capital on our studio right here in the heart of the action on Capitol Hill. Brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, those good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox. Uh, they're the people who keep our agencies, federal agencies, running, serving the American public all over the country, not just here in Washington, D.C., whether it's the, the VA or the TSA or whatever. We depend on them. They never let us down. Proud to work for America every day. We salute them and thank them for the support of the program. Go to their website, afge.com. Busy days on the political front, on the news front, and we've got two of the best here uh, in studio with us. Ray Locker is the Washington Enterprise Editor. I love that title for you, whatever the hell it means. I uh, made for, it up myself. For USA Today. <laughs> Hello, Ray. How you doing? <laughs> Great. Uh, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. And also, uh, our good friend Soshi Hinonosa, who's the Communications Director for the Democratic National Committee, uh, working with Chairman uh, Tom Perez. Uh, Soshi, it's nice to see you. Thank you for having me. So, uh, how about it? This tax cut is going to do great things for the economy. Um, including, uh, the, uh, Ray, if you're lucky, you get a dollar fifty uh, more uh, in your paycheck every day. Just ask for uh, Paul Ryan. It'll that... pay for my Costco membership. <laughs> it won't pay for my coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> right. That sort of uh, <clears throat> trial balloon fell pretty fast, didn't it, Soshi? It did. I mean, one of those things is Paul Ryan, I mean, he's completely out of touch. One of the, what you saw over the last day, or it, actually within the last 12 hours, is the woman also came out and she was angry about the whole thing, right? But again, like, this just, they continue to try to simplify their tax plan and to show that it is actually helping people. Reality is, it's not helping the average American. It's helping their wealthy friends. And that's what we're seeing. First of all, it was a little tone deaf on, on Ryan's part, wasn't it? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's looking for reasons to sell this thing. Um, he doesn't have to worry about those kind of financial pressures. So he's not really clued in a dollar fifty an extra dollar fifty a week really doesn't matter. Right. Um, the DNC did put out a little statement yesterday, which I actually printed up because I thought it was kind of clever. Uh, so sixty dollars for that that dollar fifty for a year would cost. She said would pay for her Costco membership. Uh, According to this sheet, Paul Ryan would get an estimated $19,000 a year tax cut mm -hmm. from the uh, same tax plan. Uh, Exxon would get $6 billion <laughs> for, <laughs> from the uh, GOP uh, tax plan. Uh, the oil industry overall, 190 
billion dollars. So you put it sort of in perspective. It may be true that everybody gets a teeny little bit for a teeny little while, and then those t- those cuts run out, and these great big cuts continue, right? That's the heart of it. Yeah, you saw Donald Trump yesterday touting this, and one of the things he was saying is, on February 1st, I was told that everyone would be getting massive tax cuts, and everyone, you know, and that's not happening. We're not seeing that, right? February 1st has already come and gone, and we're not, you know, your, your average family isn't seeing some sort of massive tax cut. That's not what's happening. What is happening is the large corporations and those who, you know, don't necessarily need it the most are the ones who are getting the the cuts here. But it goes back to they are trying to sell this because they understand that come the midterms, they need an accomplishment. They need something that they can tout and say, you know, this is ours. This was something that Republicans passed. And if you have a Republican government, this is exactly what we will provide you. Yeah. And, and and instead, we're not necessarily we're not seeing that. Isn't it right? It. I, th- I think what Sosia is saying is it seems to me that the 2018 midterms, would you agree, m- might depend on how well the Republicans are able to sell the tax cuts or how well the Democrats are able to undermine or oh, not sure. undermine, I mean, but maybe I tell mean, the truth about that it. That is their signature accomplishment. This is the of issue. This Congress. Or they're going to make it, try to make it the well, issue, yeah. right? So are people really going to see the difference? Probably not, because for an average person, there's really no way you can cut an average person's taxes enough for it to really matter unless you just got rid of them completely, and that's not going to happen. So by virtue of the fact that they don't make as much money, the tax cut is not really going to make much of a difference to them. It's a bigger economic theory about whether you can cut taxes for corporations. They will repatriate some of that money, and you will see a larger economic effect. Now, so far we've seen in previous tax cuts that really hasn't happened. We've seen larger deficits. Um, we've seen, you know, maybe a run-up in the stock market, but then some cataclysmic things happened like 10 years ago because of that infusion of money looking for a place to go. If it doesn't really have a good place to go, it goes to financial instruments that become more speculative, and you invite problems. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, you know, are we going to see a difference? Is it going to be different this time around? And that's going to be the big question. But clearly before the, the, the all that frenzy in December to get something passed, they knew they needed something to run on. They needed something to point to for year one that this is what we we're able to do. And so this is it, and they're going to have to – Sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Well, and they had, you had a lot of people talking last month, uh, you know, or at the end of last year, their donors wanted this. So they were responding to their donors (laughs) were like, legitimately so, hey, where's our payoff? So now they got it. Now those donors who are going to get a lot of money need to belly up to the bar and spend that money to help them get reelected. And I think that's what we're starting to see. No, I forgot that. There were actually some Republican donors who publicly said, hey, you know, we voted for you because you were going to give us this great big tax oh, yeah. cut. Where is it? Yeah. That, that was supposed to be an inside voice for some of those Republicans. But I don't know why they came out and said, you know, admitted to the fact that, you know, they, they were doing this for their donors. And that's exactly what you saw. And I think that, you know, instead of, for example, passing a budget 
at the end of this week, we could be on the brink of a shutdown again. Um, instead of focusing on something like that, passing a real budget with our priorities, they pass these tax cuts. And so as Democrats, we will be making sure that voters understand that. And we're using this. Starting today, we are running digital ads targeting vulnerable senators um, like Dean Heller in Nevada to basically make sure that voters understand that they're not doing their job. They aren't pass- They aren't doing the basic things that they need to do in order to run our government. We are um, two days from another shutdown. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it, boy, it passes fast, doesn't it? A week. <laughs> they're hard or to take weeks. seriously. I mean, they, uh, to they, get all, like, all spun up for you know each yeah. impending shutdown, it's just hard to get motivated to really pay much attention to it. And that's my job, you know? <laughs> right. But somehow they're they're going to get over this hurdle again, yeah. don't you think? It's going to be the fifth CR, I believe, in a row, you know, which, I mean, you're right. They're not doing their job. They're not passing a budget. They're not, and they're not dealing with any of the big issues. Yeah. Where's the immigration bill that we were going to have a vote on, right? Or the DREAMers program we were going to have a vote on? It's not going to be resolved by Thursday. Won't even be voted on. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. It's not going to happen. I mean, part of the problem is you have, I think, a lot of people on the Senate side working hard to come up with a bipartisan solution. They're trying. They float it by the White House and they don't get any response or they get, you know, an insult because nobody knows really who's in charge there. And, you know, I'm not just making that up. It's everybody who goes there comes back, Republican or Democrat. I don't know who to talk to. You know, you don't know who you're dealing with when you're talking to the president, how he feels at that particular moment. So it's hard to make any kind of plan. But, of course, I hear more and more from um, uh, opponents to the immigration bill that the only reason that Democrats want the Dreamers and the only reason that Democrats want immigration reform and the only reason Democrats want um, family reunification or so-called chain migration is because those are more Democratic votes next time around. Very cynical approach, but that's the that's the argument. This isn't this is this isn't right versus left. This is right versus wrong. And I think that something so simple as the Dreamers is that majority of Americans support right now. You know. Just providing them with some sort of legal status is a no-brainer. Everyone should be for this. And Republicans talk a big game. Donald Trump says we'll do something to help our dreamers. You know, Paul Ryan says we are we're in it for the dreamers. But the reality is that if you were to bring a Dream Act bill to the House today, a clean, a clean, a clean Dream Act bill to the House on the House <laughs> floor today, it would pass. But Paul Ryan can't do that because of his base and the Republican base and that and the far right. And that's exactly what's happening. And Donald Trump, I will say that they, you know, when Chuck Schumer went in and tried and negotiated with him and, you know, this always happens where we Democrats try to go in, try to come out with some sort of deal. And then he talks to Stephen Miller, you know, on his team and it all and it all. And it all just crumbles apart. Or to John Kelly. This is to Ray's point that we've seen this. We've seen this on. Republicans and Democrats have had that reaction where they think they've got an agreement with the president and then right. the next voice comes in, right? Yeah. So, so, so what kind of a... Uh, what it's frustrating. Hell of a way to run a railroad, I mean, huh? Have you ever dealt with anybody like that in your personal life or in your business life? I mean, it's really hard to uh, get anything done because you're trying to anticipate a reaction that you don't know what that reaction will be because nobody knows. And so you're trying to plan and you can't plan. 
um, going to your fact, I mean, point earlier, polls show that a majority of all Americans, even Republicans, would make Dreamers citizens right now. Citizens, not citizens. just yeah, legal not status. Like, yeah. Because they are citizens, basically. They came here through no choice of their own. I mean, they're going to come with their parents. They're working. They're not going to go back to where, essentially, wherever they came from because they don't know that country. Um, and I think most people realize that. Yeah. And um, they, but your point, too, we've been told here by many members of Congress that that very point that if you had a bill on the floor, you'd probably get 300 votes. Right. Uh, enough from obviously Republicans and Democrats to just just to take care of that one issue. Uh, but I can't do it because, well, we need the wall. We need that 25 billion for the wall. Oh, that's right. I thought Mexico was going to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't hear about that. I anymore, think they've tossed that fiction out the window a long time ago. <laughs> well, they don't even talk about it anymore. Right. Really. Yeah. And the wall, when you get right down to it, it's not really a wall. It's border security. And this gets to the point where people start talking past each other. You know, they passed that um, bill in the Senate in 2013. It had a lot of border security. Mm -hmm. That's what you had to do to get people like senators from North Dakota to vote for it. So that president has been set. If, you know, people could separate the fact that they're dealing with Donald Trump and don't want to give him a, a win, maybe they could come to some agreement to give some kind of border security money you know, with a dreamer bill. Uh, I think border, border that's a problem with the definition of border security. If you're talking more agents or if you're talking yeah. better technology, there'd be no issue, right? Right. But if you're talking the freaking concrete, beautiful wall, then... The see-through wall. The see-through so wall. So you can see people are trying to throw drugs over the wall. I mean, when that was one of the crazier comments uh, I've also, seen about that. Also, they we're going to have solar panels on top of it, so it's yeah. going to be a renewable, <laughs> renewable energy wall. And Donald Trump actually told a group of labor leaders, one of whom I spoke to, that there's going to be a door in the wall for the people who pick grapes that they're able to get through. And, t <laughs> yes, actually assured them of that one. That is completely At one absurd. Oval office meeting. That is completely <laughs> absurd. That is. My father actually lives five blocks from the wall in Brownsville, Texas. It's actually a fence right now. And so if you go there, I will say that it is um, – there is there is a bit large large fence and you will and the and people there will say there's not a border security problem frankly we don't even our family doesn't go to mexico anymore to go you know for lunch or for the day or anything like that you know just because there is some violence on the border but you know there isn't that border security problem that we're hearing he wants to just keep um, a certain race out of the country and that is what is just Disgusting. All right. So, so you, what's going on out in the uh, the real world of politics? Um, so we're coming up to the 2018. But in 2017, um, there were um, there were sort of some test runs, right? Particularly in state legislative mm -hmm. seats around the country. Yeah. Um, where I know not just the DNC, the state parties and everything were active. Just mm -hmm. give it a little rundown there. So what we saw. Illustrative of what we might see in 2018. Yeah, what we saw in 2017 is um, that not only we had we had big wins in Virginia, we had the unexpected win in Alabama that I think that all of us here would have said that Democrats never had a chance of winning. Um, but then we also had state legislative seats. There are 34 state legislative seats around the country that we turn from red to blue. These How are many? 34. These are these are places like you know where. 
where deep red Oklahoma, where Trump won in double digits, places like rural Iowa, where we had never organized there before because it is a rural area and Trump won by double digits there too. Um, in New Hampshire, where we hadn't carried that seat since probably the 70s. So in a lot of these areas, we found that if you invest money and if you put organizers on the ground, old fashioned organizing, then you can win. And so we tested that theory out. It wasn't just us. The DLCC is doing amazing work. Um, they have an amazing organization. Um, and a number, number of other organizations came together to put that money in. So we saw that if you invest everywhere, you can win. We're taking that strategy to 2018 with our partners. Also, the great groups that have come about, like Indivisible and others, are also organizing in this areas to elect Democrat. And the reason why it's so important is because we have redistricting coming up in just a few years, and we have a census. And what Democrats failed to do previously was mm -hmm. really focus on the state legislative seats that actually have redistricting implications. And so we are focused on that now, along with our partners at the DLCC, because we understand that in order to be successful, and, and especially if we're looking at our, the future of the Democratic Party, too, we need to make sure that we're picking those up. There was also the uh, state Senate seat in Washington State, yeah. which flipped the Washington State mm -hmm. Senate. But these, these um, you know, it, 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 you can't really say, well, the blue wave is sweeping the country, right? But, but these are significant, 34 flipping from red right. to blue. I think that Oklahoma state Senate seat was a big deal that went around the Tulsa area that was really a, a Republican seat and a Democrat narrowly won there. But it shows that if you get a surge, even in a place like that, it can make a difference. The state Senate mm -hmm. seat in Wisconsin that had been a Republican held one for a long time and Trump won that, by like 18 right. points there. Yeah, yeah. Now it has a Democratic state senator. I think that's all illustrative of what we could see building. Um well, you know, it's still early, and, and you, we've seen some tightening polls now on party preference. It's February. I mean, it's going to change. And as we get closer to the election, I think you're going to see things break. And, we'll, and usually for the out party, it breaks in their advantage, unless they're some kind of cataclysmic event that brings people together. But I don't think in this case that would help this president because mm – -hmm. You know, he has said things to indicate, like, if there's a crisis, people will rally behind me. Well, you know, you don't say that because it makes it look like you're looking for that to happen. You're hoping that for that to happen. Right. Uh, the state, state legislative seats are so important, just as you indicated, mm -hmm. because of reapportionment, which Democrats sort of ignored the last time around. Karl Rove did not. They had their famous red map strategy. Right. They got hammered. I mean, in 2010, it was a cataclysmic election for Democrats. I mean, it set them back for at least a decade. You got to cross. Look, look at Virginia. The Democrats won like 55% of the votes for the legislature, and they almost took the assembly. Now they're down by what? One vote? One. Yeah. That's because you ran people mm -hmm. in race yes. in seats that you never had done it before. You basically ceded the battleground to Republicans until this last cycle. Mm -hmm. And they organized, mm -hmm. right? Organized. And by the way, these are they're not that expensive. Those seats at that level are not as expensive as a U.S. Senate seat or something, right? So you can get more yeah. for your money. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the things is that you you also organize everywhere. I mean, our organizers were helping the state legislative seats, but they're also helping the top of the ticket, oh, which was yeah. Ralph Northam, right? And so um, yeah. I think that when you look at 2018, and especially the map in 2018, 
there are huge opportunities. Whether there's going to be a wave, I think that remains to be seen. I frankly think that, you know, it also if the president keeps on doing what he's doing, I think that Democrats will be extremely successful and he continues to divide our country and people are sick of it. Well, he's certainly been one of the biggest energizer bunnies for the Democratic Party that the party has ever seen, right? right? In terms of look at the number of women who are running for office this year. Historic. Yeah, he has, I mean, he's just a tremendously divisive president. He has an economy that's going very well and he's at 40% in the polls at best. That's weird. That doesn't really happen, and I think that's a function of how divisive he is as a as a president. And I think that's going to manifest itself in November. Um, people are looking for a chance to vote against him, and you don't always see it in the polls all the time. But when it comes right down to it, I think that's what's going to happen. Because when people do vote, that's what has happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what's uh, what's the feeling at the DNC on chances of taking back the House and the Senate? I think that we are very optimistic when it comes to the House and the Senate. Um, it's it's an uphill battle. I think that we will invest everywhere and we will do everything we can to be in a great position. It will be an uphill battle. But what gives us hope is You need is 24 fact, seats in the House. 24 seats in the House. What gives us hope, though, in Alabama, for example, Trump, that should have been, that's like our California. We He should have been over 50 percent he could hardly even break 50 percent in exit polls whenever you you saw doug jones win um back in december that is problematic and so when we're looking at and donald trump has been amazing when it comes to recruiting candidates i mean we have he has helped in that you see the energy that is out there you see record women running you see just the base of the party reflected in our candidates but we're also seeing that these candidates aren't just talking about trump They're talking about actual issues that impact people. In Virginia, you saw that Ralph Northam was talking about health care. In Alabama, Doug Jones wasn't actually hitting Roy Moore or attacking Donald Trump until the last week of the election. He was focused on CHIP. He was focused on the economy there. Those were the issues that he was focused on. And so I think that while Donald Trump has helped us recruit candidates, we are still seeing our candidates and and around the country focus on what democratic issues are, which a lot well, is healthcare, the economy, things like that. Well, well, right. I mean, that's got to be the case, right? I mean, Democrats cannot just go in front of the country at whatever level and say, vote for me because I don't like Donald Trump, right? Right. I mean, uh, that's got to be more of a message. It's than a limited that. message. So, yeah. look, Democrats have had a message for a long time. Republicans have a message too. Whenever you hear, you know, people on the other side, you don't have a message. That's not true. Everybody knows basically what the Democratic message is. People know what the Republican message is. Um, and so you have to go out there and promote that. One of the things, you know, I noticed in Alabama is some of these Republican counties where they win huge by huge margins, you know, 75, 25. They still had that margin, but the turnout was depressed. So you oh. shave 10% off a turnout hmm. company in a county like that, it makes a difference. And I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of these off, you know, races is mm-hmm. Republicans aren't voting, you know, in the numbers that they were in the past. And on the flip side of that, uh, because of the organizing effort, I think that the energy and the momentum is right. really has been and on the and is today, I think, on the yeah. Democratic side. Yeah. Uh, as I said, you know, like I keep mentioning Emily's list. They had 900 women running for office a couple of years ago. This year, they got 21,000 yeah. that they are training for city council, for state 
mm -hmm. county board of supervisors, state legislative races. I mean, that's, that's I mean, that's real. Talk yeah. about a wave. Talk about a movement, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 it's and it's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, 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 it would be interesting to see uh, how close Republican candidates stick to Donald Trump in 2018. Well, the problem has been that I mean he doesn't seem to do anything to bring go to the middle. And if you're attached to him, how can you go to the middle if you have to advocate what he's all about? So you have to go to your base. And that can make for very divisive elections because you look at who's going to vote for you. There's the people who have voted for you, and you have to tell them what they want to hear. And then there's these people in the middle. Well, that group is shrinking. So you're going to go to your base and try to maximize them. But that's difficult because there's not as much growth there as there is, you know, in the Democratic base. There are a lot of untapped voters that you see, and particularly yeah. like when you have early voting and you can go back and back and back yeah. and get them to vote. So, Soshi, uh, just in a little uh, half a minute we have got left mm -hmm. here. What are you asking Democrats to do and where can they find out what they need to do? So we're actually asking Democrats to go out, and if you're not registered to vote, you need you need to um, go register to vote, but Amen. also get people to register to vote. So at least go and register 10 people. Um, that is what I that is my goal for the month. It's not an it's not a hard goal. Go outside of a grocery store, register a few people, get involved with your local party, go register people. We are also trying to get people to commit to vote. Commit to vote in 2018. Commit tell us today that you're gonna do that. So go to IWillVote.com to get involved. And that is um, different different ways to register and, and get involved in the 2018 election. IWillVote.com. Yeah. Okay, so she thanks so much for coming in. It's Democrats.com, correct? Democrats.org. Ray Locker stays with us. I'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Watching Twitter yesterday. Yes, indeed. If you don't applaud for Donald Trump, you are a traitor. Well, call me a traitor, I guess. <laughs> what do you say? Hey, hello, everybody. Great to see you today on a Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, February 6th. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol building or in the shadow of the Capitol Dome, we like to say, where Republicans and Democrats come back to town today with two days to go before the government shuts down again, unless they uh, come up with some Mickey Mouse uh, uh, little Band-Aid to keep it running, which, of course, they probably will. We'll bring you up to date on all the news of the day with uh, you and sounding off on Twitter. Uh, send us your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. 
Uh, big stories of the day, of course, House Republicans and Democrats on the Intelligence Committee voting yesterday to release the Democratic rebuttal to the Republican memo released by the White House on Friday. Uh, the Dow crashing yesterday, uh, plummeting yesterday, we should say, the largest one-day drop in history. Uh, Donald Trump hasn't said anything about it yet. Uh, and um, the uh, the uh, Winter Olympics getting ready to start. Mike Pence on his way over there. Uh, and yes, Donald Trump accusing Democrats who didn't applaud for him of a treason. Here in studio with us, Ray Locker from USA Today uh, for the next half hour as well. Hello, Ray. Great to be here. Thanks. Good, good to have you here. And uh, we've got lots more to talk yep. about, including a treason. But first, this is Rock the Burn Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news now. This is a little bit of a complicated story, but we're going to go to New Hampshire. Uh, a we'll woman, try to follow it here. A, a woman played Powerball ticket, uh, Powerball, and her ticket won her five hundred fifty-nine point seven million dollars. Okay. Here's the thing: in the state of New Hampshire, you have to come forward and say, "I won." You have to give your identity so that they can use it in ads and all yeah. that stuff. Oh. It's something that you sign away when you buy that Powerball ticket. Well, yeah. this woman does not <laughs> want to come forward. So she is actually going to court. She is going to court to ask the Powerball jackpot people if she can remain anonymous because they said, no, you have to come forward because you signed this piece of paper that says, I'll come forward and I'll talk about it. They have said... You cannot have the money unless you come forward. She probably doesn't want her relatives to know she's got all that money, right? I don't blame her. That's I, probably I, true. I, I, That's probably <laughs> true. Exactly. At the after the drawing, she signed the back of the ticket before she talked to a lawyer. She didn't realize that she was, you know, what she was getting yeah. herself into, and so now she's going to court. So should she get to get the money, <laughs> even if she stays anonymous? I think Judge, so. B- Judge Bill Press says I, yes. It's a yes. But I also want you to know that uh, I would have not have any problem. Okay, <laughs> I, I will if I when I win the lottery, I will want everybody to know. <laughs> <laughs> so that you have everybody hitting you up for money all the time. <laughs> I won't get any, but I don't care if they know. <laughs> They'll try. Uh, a new story in uh, New York Magazine this morning. Uh, this is from a friend, Uh-oh. Olivia Nutzi. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raj Shah is a man working uh, in the Trump administration. He's White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary. Well, uh, the New York Magazine got a hold of some emails that he wrote during the campaign when he was working for the RNC, not when he was working for Donald Trump, where he called Donald Trump a deplorable referred to the release of the Access Hollywood tape as, quote, some justice for Donald Trump, and also asked an RNC colleague to dig up an old video clip of Trump that shortly appeared in a Jeb Bush commercial. So he was actively working Mm. against Donald Trump as a member of the RNC, and now he is a member of Donald Trump's uh, White House. So For how long? Yeah, (laughs) knowing how Donald Trump works, not for much longer. (laughs) Do you know him? I don't know him. No, but he's he does a lot of the gaggles when they travel. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's fairly close. I think you got the wrong tense. Used yeah. to. <laughs> Used to. <laughs> this is The Bill Press Show.
Well, you know what they say, live by the Dow, die by the Dow. Yeah, that happened to Donald Trump yesterday when just as he's giving a speech uh, boosting about uh, uh, bragging about how great the economy is doing. The Dow tumbled, uh, plummeted, and uh, the cable TV went to a split screen. Uh, Donald Trump on one side saying the economy is going great and the Dow on the other side saying, no, we don't like what's going on. What do you say, everybody? It was an embarrassing moment for the White House. It, and this is the Bill Press Show on this Tuesday, February 6th, bringing you up to date on all the news of the day, wherever it's happening. We're there with you online, on radio, on television, coast to coast. And it's good to have you with us today. Joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We ask you again when you go on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you are a regular member of our team. Um, more and more people do so every day. Count on you to do so today. We're joining you on uh, Free Speech TV, of course, and out in television land and in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the progressive voice of uh, Chicago. Ray Locker is the Enterprise Editor for USA Today in studio with us as a uh, friend of Bill. Ray, it's always good to see you. Great Thanks for coming here. in. Um, how serious an issue is this Dow? You know what? I have to say... So down at the White House briefings under the, in the Obama days, I a couple of times asked Jay Carney, Robert Gibbs, the, the Dow is just booming. Why aren't you guys out there? Why isn't the president taking a victory lap? Why aren't you bragging about how well the Dow is doing? And they never did. Maybe they were right. Well, I mean, you can't control the Dow if you're the president. It's the market, and the market does what the market wants. And really... You know, the market going down yesterday is in some ways a reflection of the strength of the economy. People are worried, investors are worried that interest rates may go up, which makes buying stocks less attractive, and they'll put their money somewhere else. And the reason interest rates would go up is because people have more money, there are more wages, there's an inflationary yeah, trend, yeah. possibly. And that's, in a lot of cases, a good thing. But when you see a number that everybody watches start dropping, you think, oh, my God, it's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so best not to make a lot of comments about it because you get into the position that the president is in now. Yeah. And you know, we all know what goes up could go down and will. And right? Well, and Trump, of all people, should know as a guy who ran a publicly <laughs> traded company that had yeah, to declare right. bankruptcy, um, he would should know that. What did I see last night? This bull market started, actually. Uh, I should maybe call it now the previous bull market, right. March 9, 2009. So yeah. that's a hell of a long run. Right? Well, we had a long way to go. I mean, because yes. March yeah. 2009, the market was in the tank. Yeah, it was about 9,000, uh, I think, or something. Yeah, it was way down we there. were having a major economic crisis, so it's a function of the recovery. Yeah, and we all know, I mean, the market is not the economy. The market, right. is, they keep repeating that over and over and over again. But it does, it, it, it does say, when you go out and brag about how high the Dow, how the Dow is just going up, 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 when it goes down, you own it. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's not saying anything about it. <laughs> and they put out a statement yesterday that the fundamentals of the economy are strong. And they are. And they are. But that's, you know, it sounds weird when you're making that argument. It sounds like you're trying to evade the things that you said before. Right. A little embarrassing. Uh, the, split, the, the, the split screen yeah. yesterday was particularly embarrassing. 
Uh, maybe not as embarrassing as what the as what the president said. Um, you know, it was. By the way, could you believe it? It's only a week ago. The State of the Union. Yeah. <laughs> Did that happen? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> that's God. the longest month that we've had so far is this past <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah, right. But you know that it's been under Donald Trump's skin for a long time, the fact that the Democrats were not jumping up and cheering like the Republicans. And he finally, finally, others have mentioned it, others have complained about it. He finally uh, couldn't, couldn't bottle it. It was so bottled up he couldn't stand it any longer. Yesterday he let loose in front of this crowd in Cincinnati. Uh, so here, here he is. Yeah, I guess. Oh, whoops. <laughs> All right. And it got to a point where I really didn't even want to look too much during the speech over to that side, because honestly, it was bad energy. No, it was bad energy. <clears throat> You're up yeah. there. What a complaint. You've got half the room going totally crazy, wild, they Bonkers. loved everything. Bonkers. They want to do something great for our country. And you have the other side, even on positive news, really positive news, like that, they were like death <laughs> and un-American. Oh. Un-American. Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not? You know. Can we call that treason? Why not? Yeah, why not call it treason, right? When you don't applaud every one of the president's lines well i mean this is a guy who routinely criticized his predecessor as did members of his party who didn't applaud look a lot of times people don't applaud the president of another party um particularly when they're proposing things that you don't want to do every state um, of the union yeah. is like that half half applaud the other half sit on their ass i mean i mean you know boom, 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 boom. yeah it, it's <laughs> frustrating to cover one of these speeches because the ritual is so entrenched it's so much of a joke um you know you're like oh we're gonna write about reaction you know what the reaction's gonna be it's just a lot of times a waste of time and this one particularly because there were very few concrete proposals to sink your teeth into and say okay what did he promise and what's gonna happen um it's a rhetorical exercise it's a motivator for your people but in this case there's no bounce because he stepped on his message again as he does virtually everything. By by Thursday, it was over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And one of the things that he d didn't do that other presidents have done of all parties is go out and, you know, keep pushing his message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He did the thing in Cincinnati yesterday. That really wasn't that kind of thing. Um, you know. No, last week, I don't know that. Did he go on the road at all? Maybe one day, but I mean, he went to the Republican retreat in West Virginia. Oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, but that was hardly yeah. selling his message to the public, right? And then yeah. he was mired in the you know, dispute over the Nunes mem memo and whatever else. Right. Um, and then he went, you know, to Florida for the weekend. He doesn't do things that normal politicians do, and in some ways, that's refreshing if you like Donald Trump, and in other ways, it's maddening and frustrating and you're trying to figure out what he's trying to do but it's also i mean it's not an effective way of selling his message or or his programs or his policies to the extent that there are any right i mean again you we've seen this with george bush ronald reagan i mean uh, and bill clinton and barack obama 
so much thought goes into the State of the Union. This is what we're going to run on. Right. This is who we're going to be for this year. So they put that out there, and then they go out and a whole and they send the cabinet members out, mm-hmm. and it's a whole stage kind of thing because they've got a program right. they want to sell. That's not the case this time. No, that's not how th- this president operates. And no. a lot of people who really like him don't particularly care. What they like about President Trump is that he sticks it in the eye of the people who don't like him, who they don't like. And whether he has kind of an, you know, a legislative agenda, they don't know and they don't really care about. They're not enthusiastic, by and large, by the tax cut because they don't think that it's going to go to them. But they like him for doing it because he did it. Yeah. Uh, so um, we, we checked this morning, just uh, it's worth mentioning maybe, not to make too much of this, that treason is the only crime that's actually defined in the Constitution of the United <laughs> States. And it is defined rather narrowly. Treason, section Article 3, Section 3, treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. That doesn't yeah. quite cover not applauding no. any particular applause line of the president <laughs> of the United States, right? <laughs> Might it cover uh, inviting the ambassador of the United States, of, of, uh, of Russia rather, and the foreign minister into the Oval Office and telling them state secrets? Oh, that's a little closer. <laughs> but if you're president, maybe maybe it's not illegal. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. to quote Richard Nixon. Right? Yeah. Or might it include... Um, Having a meeting uh, in Trump Tower where you invite Russians in to uh, tell you dirt about your political opponent. (laughs) Steve Bannon called it treason. treason. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think it's an overused term, but those other examples you cited come closer to that than not applauding. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. But again, you know, at this point, Trump says something like this. He'll say something today. Probably equally crazy, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow. So, right. you know, it's it's so funny. It's, it just rolls on, man. It, it's so funny because literally a week ago, as you pointed out, we were saying he's going to stick to the script. He's going to follow his teleprompter, and he did. He did for, for that the one of the speech. Union. Mm-hmm. And then, like here we are a week later, he can't help himself but to just go completely off the rails and call Democrats that don't fawn over him traitors to the country. Like that, it's that's just in his makeup. That's just who he is. The best thing for people in our business, in the media, right, is for Donald Trump not to use a teleprompter. Right. Because then you just never know. Anything can and will happen. <laughs> and it has. Yeah. I mean, I have yeah. forgotten so many things that he has said and done in the last year oh, yeah. that would, for a previous president, been the biggest story for six months. It's like the biggest story for two hours. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. I mean, how many people do you have come in here who just oh. have this thousand-yard stare because they're doing this job and they're tapped? No, absolutely. How how many times have we said, you're not going to believe this, right? Right. Or nothing like this has ever happened before. We've never seen time. any like the, anything like this from the White House, right? Every day. Yeah. Right. Uh, and we laugh and complain about it both here is that you know, we do our regular thing, put our show together. We know what we're going to talk about. We know who the guests are going to be. You know, and we kind of wrap things up about 5 o'clock the day before. Uh-uh. Then the whole thing blows up. Yeah. You're you're going at 6 in the morning. You're watching Twitter. <laughs> and you're into the evening seeing if somebody's going to break a story about him because there's always something. Because that White House leaks like crazy. Because 
the people who work for him are just like you and me. They start talking to anybody who'll listen. Can you believe what happened today? He said this in a meeting. And we know it's true because, you know, we know who's telling us this stuff. We're not going to, you know, reveal our sources to the public, but yeah. they, they span the spectrum ideologically. People have a meeting with him, and before you know it, you find out what happened because they can't believe it either. Right. So one of the other things that uh, the president now has to deal with is uh, he has uh, in his hands, uh, or soon will, the Democratic rebuttal to the Republican Devin Nunez memo mm-hmm. that was released by the White House Friday, released to the White House uh, a few days before by the House Intelligence Committee. Um, I don't know about you. I was surprised that this vote was unanimous yesterday, but I think Adam Schiff, um, ranking Democrat on House Intelligence, really summed it up when he told reporters afterwards, actually, <laughs> that they had no choice. Here he is. The majority found themselves in an insupportable position when they released a misleading memo and refused to release the Democratic response. So I think they were compelled uh, to take the action they did today. Um, and we think this will be very useful information for the American people to see. So his point is, right, that they had talked last week about transparency, transparency. Right. We want everything else, the American people, to see this. That it would have been hard for them to sit on the Democratic memo and say, well, transparency for our side, but not for your side. Right. Is so that that's the way you read it? Yeah, I do. And I think, uh, you know, it was nice to see that unanimous vote because it, it shows that not everything all the time is that polarized and crazy. Now it's up to the president whether he wants to release it. And, you know, chances are he won't. I mean, maybe he will. Who knows? And I don't think it's going to matter because the people that the president and Devin Nunes wanted to appeal to with that memo have already incorporated that message. Mm-hmm. They believe mm-hmm. that this thing is rigged against the president. And so they're not going to read, you know, the Democratic memo. They're not going to care. And the people who want to believe you know, what Adam Schiff and company say, we'll read it and believe it. Right. And, you know, I read the Nunes memo. It was did just about everybody else. And I'm like, that's it? <laughs> I mean, it's what they had been saying before. Um, and I didn't think that it revealed sources and methods either. I, you know, all this no. hullabaloo well, from the intelligence. security. Can, you know, a lot of times that stuff is overblown. Totally. Um, and you wonder you know, what people are trying to hide. And no law enforcement or intelligence agency is infallible. I don't believe that the FBI is infested with liberals because that's just not who joins the FBI. Um, But they can make mistakes. They're not infallible. And, you know, you can look at what Nunes put out and say, okay, I can see some of that. But I think they did cherry pick and we'll have a better idea of what happened, you know, how to judge that when we look at what comes out from the Democratic Certainly, side. we were told ahead of time that this memo was going to show uh, that the FBI was totally political um, and in going to FISA, that mm-hmm. they relied exclusively on this uh, famous dossier prepared right. by Christopher Steele, who was on the payroll of the Democratic Party at the time. Uh, this is what they were saying, and that this, therefore, this politically motivated FISA warrant resulted in the investigation, uh, the FBI's triggered the investigation, the FBI investigation by Robert Mueller. Therefore, the whole thing is politically motivated and we ought to get rid of it. 
The memo doesn't show that. No, it doesn't show that. First of all, it says Christopher Steele had a record of credibility. What it didn't say, but what we know is four Republican-appointed judges signed off on that warrant. Um, You Mm -hmm. have to go through a lot of hoops to get a FISA warrant. That's why we have FISA, because previously the FBI and the NSA during the you know, 60s and 70s routinely violated the rights of American citizens by slapping surveillance on people. This said, look, as a result of with the problems that came out during the Nixon administration, we're gonna change the way we do this. And that's what we have now. Um, you know, and we saw during the Bush administration where people were getting wiretaps without a warrant, you know, and we've tried to eliminate that problem. So they got this warrant to tap Carter Page because who had who was on their radar a long time? He's bragging about advising the Kremlin. Yeah, you know, yeah. in 2013. Uh, I don't, I don't know how close he was to the inner workings of the Trump campaign. It was a chaotic campaign. Basically, everybody involved in it is surprised the guy's president. I think we all are. It wasn't a well-run machine, and everybody thinks that Carter Page is kind of a goofball, but. Be that as it may, he had an official role in the campaign. He was bragging about his connections mm-hmm. with the Russians. He's going to Russia. He's popping up in all these places. Presenting himself as an emissary of yeah. Trump. And you see all these various things, WikiLeaks, you know, the stuff from the DNC being hacked and given over to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And something's going on. It needs to be investigated. And that's how that happened. Now, whether anybody gets prosecuted for it, who knows? But that's what you do when you investigate something like that. And also, it, the memo itself points out that this uh, FBI investigation didn't start with Carter Page. It started months earlier yeah. with George Papadopoulos. Another goofball. <laughs> right. Who, I mean, you're like, who is this guy? I remember when seeing when Trump first put him out on his advisor list he yeah. listed that he had been in a Model United Nations program in high school. So would I. You know, maybe I could get a, a campaign role. Um, but, yeah, he was another guy running around shooting his mouth off, gets investigated. Right. Uh, so so where does this go, do you think, from here? So we will or will not. You're, you're right. Uh, uh, we played this clip earlier. You know, Jonathan Carls, good friend of ours and mm-hmm. a great reporter, he thinks— His read is, in fact, here he is on what's going to happen. White House officials tell me that he is inclined to authorize the release of the memo. And it's important to point out the committee's vote was unanimous. Every Democrat and every Republican on that committee voting to make that memo public. Yeah. So if that's his inclination, maybe it's up to John Kelly, President John Kelly. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll, We'll see what happens on that. Um, I want to ask you about before, looking at the clock here, but front page, New York Times today, lawyers tell Trump to refuse Mueller interview. Now, we know that Donald Trump has said, yeah, I want to talk to Robert Mueller. I can't wait, and I want to do it under oath. Apparently, his lawyers say, uh, (laughs) we don't want our client under, not this client. We don't want him under oath. Well, look at what's happened previous times he's testified under oath uh, in the uh, case against author Timothy O'Brien, who wrote about Trump not having as much money as he said, and Trump mm-hmm. sued him for libel and testified and was caught in multiple lies. Now, nothing happened from that, but it was obvious that he wasn't telling the truth. The stakes are much higher in this case, and I think any responsible lawyer would say, 
No, don't testify <laughs> under oath. I mean, Bill Clinton testified under oath, and he lied. Yeah. And that caused him tons of problems, as it should have. And so, look, you have if people get prosecuted for murder or whatever, and maybe they're innocent, but maybe they don't come off well on the witness stand. The lawyer, their attorney will say, we're not going to have you as a witness. You know, maybe and maybe the defendant really wants to testify, but it's not a good idea. And in this case, it's not a good idea because for no, you get that information and you get a lead from something he says. And all those lawyers are sitting there looking for a lead. And by the way, they're not asking a question they don't already know the answer to. And so if you lie, they grab it and it goes in their bank of things that they're going to research. If you and I were his attorney... Both of us would say, don't do this, because we know Donald Trump has a hard time with the truth. Right. Under oath or not under oath. The question then is, can he? Can they refuse? And if they refuse to meet with Robert Mueller, let's say Mueller subpoenas him and he says, no, we're not going to show up. Can he get away with that? You know, I don't know all of the legal ramifications of that. I mean, it would go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Right? I mean, what we saw in the Nixon administration when he didn't want to turn over the White House tapes, a unanimous court said you have to, that you are not above the law. Now, they didn't say that you can be prosecuted, but they said you have to provide this evidence. Now, Bill Clinton didn't want to testify, and the court said, oh, yes, you do. Babe. I suppose he could take the Fifth Amendment and say, you know, I don't want to incriminate myself politically terrible you know legally that's his right and you know that's why we have the fifth amendment you don't have to incriminate yourself um and so he probably could use that i don't know all the legal ramifications of that but certainly politically it's if terrible he, if, if he refused to answer a subpoena right it's basically saying uh, or they're saying he's above the law right right well he certainly believes he's above the law I mean, as witnessed by the treason comment yesterday, um, you know, it's hard to predict, you know, what he will do at any given time. I think any responsible lawyer would say don't testify and they would fight like crazy to keep him from testifying. And, you know, so many of the things that the White House has been doing in this investigation, including promoting the Nunes memo, is what you do when you're defending yourself. This is, you know, basically a battle to the death politically. Everybody knows that the Democrats, while they say they want to find the truth about Russia, and we can believe that, what they really want to do is get rid of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that. So those are the stakes. He wants to stay president. They want to get rid of him. He's going to do everything he can to fight that, and that's expected. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, that— uh as this plays out, if he doesn't testify, then Robert Mueller could just release his report with all what he believes happened, and then it could be devastating. Oh, look, you know, when we write stories at USA Today and we go to the people we're writing about, the institutions we're writing about, tell us your story, we want them to talk. Um, but if they don't and we have what we have, we're going to run it without them. Right, right. You know, and that's a risk that the president takes. Uh, a couple of years ago, you wrote a, a great book about Richard Nixon. You've got another one coming up? Coming out this fall called Haig's Coup. It's about Alexander Haig, who was Richard Nixon's chief of staff, and the things that he did to basically undermine the, his boss. And then he came back as... Uh, Ronald, Jerry, Reagan's Ronald Reagan's Secretary of State, Secretary. where people believed he was trying to undermine Ronald Reagan. Right, yeah. 
Uh, and he had to resign. When he said, I'm in charge, right? Right, what after happens? Reagan got shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot. He was Secretary of State then. Yeah. Secretary of State. Basically appointing himself president. Oh, well, one of the things he tried to do was show up and rewrite how the Secretary of State does business, and he gave it to Reagan and his top aides, and they were, they were like, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Oh. That's such a D.C. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. But Hagen's coup, right? Yeah, Hague's coup. Hague's coup. Yep. A uh, Hague, right? Uh, Hague's coup. Coming out in the fall, well, we'll talk more about that and hope to see hope between so. now and then. Yeah. Okay. Speaking about uh, new books, I've got a new one coming out, too. I'll tell you about that right after the break. And when we come back, uh, Andrew Restuccia joins us from uh, Politico. He covers the White House for Politico. Hey, Ray, so good to see you. Thanks so much great. for coming in. Thanks for having me. You're a great friend of Bill, and it's good to have you in the studio. Good to right? be here. All right, come back soon. You bet. Uh, take a quick break, folks, and we'll be right back here on this uh, Tuesday edition of the Bill Press Show, February 6th. Right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. And here we are on this Tuesday, February 6th. Good to have you with us here on uh, the Bill Press Show. Yes, treason. That's what the president called it uh, yesterday. Uh, those who failed to uh, applaud every line of his State of the Union, uh, which I guess includes me, so call me a traitor. Uh, here we are, coast to coast on the radio, online, and on television. Good to have you with us today. Uh, online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. On the radio out in the great uh, WCPT in the greater Chicago area and nationwide on Free Speech uh, TV. Uh, and want to uh, tell you again about a great uh, new, um, very exciting uh, news. And that is that my latest book, my new book this year, uh, coming out next month, um, Built Press, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, it is uh, due for publication on March 20, but I want to tell you about it because you can order in advance a signed copy, a uh, very special deal. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. We've made copies available only for our listeners and viewers at a 40% discount. So it's only sixteen seventy nine for the book, uh, a signed copy. And the first 100 of you who place your order will also get a free signed copy of one of my six earlier books. There's a whole collection of them. I don't know which one you're going to get, but the first 100 uh, get one of those. Uh, and uh, it's Life in the Crossroads about a lot more. My whole story so far, I've had a great run, wanted to tell you all about it. Um, but there's a lot of here about Crossfire, what it was like dueling every day with Pat Buchanan or Bob Novak, uh, the late Bob Novak, Mary Madeline, Tucker Carlson, all the stories about... Um, what I think of them, how we got along, how we didn't get along, the high highlights of Crossfire, uh, some of the worst moments, uh, the big mistake I believe CNN made in canceling Crossfire, all that stuff, it's all contained here. You want to read all about it. And uh, you'll see there are some blurbs uh, in praise of the book from the, the right and the left, the left including Jerry Brown and Nancy Pelosi and Rosa DeLaro and Maxine Waters, and the right including... Joe Scarborough and Tucker Carlson and Ann Coulter. Man, if they all like the book, you will too. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Order your copy today so you can get one of those 100 free books of my earlier books as well. And with that, 
little commercial. Uh, we get back to the news of the day, a lot of it out of the White House or from the president, wherever he happens to be. Andrew Restuccia is a White House reporter for Politico. Uh, you live on the Hill, too, don't you? I do, yeah. I live right down the street. All right. Yeah. Good for you. And you are in trouble now, man, because we know you live that close. <laughs> it makes <laughs> we'll it be, easy. I can walk here. We'll be banging on your door exactly. all the time. Good to see you. <laughs> you, too. Thanks for having so, me. So uh, kind of um, not exactly what uh, the president expected yesterday when he went out to Cincinnati to give his big speech. Uh, and suddenly the networks say, uh-oh, there's something else going on. And there's a split screen uh, right. with with the with the Dow, but yeah, I mean it's it's something that you certainly during the campaign you didn't see this happen very often, right? You would you would see the net, the main three networks, cable networks at least, carry the speech live in its entirety. I think two things happened: you had the Dow plunging, and you also had the president, frankly, sort of meandering. It was a long speech; it was almost fifty minutes, and I think at some point the the producers decided to to get to the real news, which was really the, the Dow plunge. Well, and for Trump, it was particularly uh, maybe embarrassing if he if he didn't mention what was going on with the split screen, whether or not he knew it, because the one thing that you, is a consistent in his recent speeches is bragging about how, how, how well the Dow's doing. Oh, absolutely. As if the yeah. Dow was a ref- totally due to his efforts and a reflection of his presidency, and the higher the Dow is, the better he's doing. And suddenly, whoop. Right. I mean, he's he talks about it in every single speech. He's talked about it for months. Um, he's taken full credit for the state of the economy uh, writ large, and including the the stock market surge. And people, you know, inside and outside the White House, have been warning him for that entire time that you know, if you take credit for the surging stock market, you're going to get blamed for the inevitable uh, downturn. Right. Um, I mentioned earlier that I I at the White House often raise the question with Jay Carney. Robert Gibbs, Josh Ernest, why aren't you taking credit for the—why why isn't the president out there taking a victory lap, right? Mm-hmm. Look, the Dow shot up yesterday 300 points. Why doesn't—and they were always saying, no, look, you know, we're just—we know there are a lot of reasons and a lot of factors, and they also know that it could go down. Exactly. And Jay Carney said that, I think, on Twitter yesterday, right, yeah. that he—that they made a point to not— you know, I think the president did, you know, occasionally mention the stock market, but, you know, uh, Jay Carney's a little bit rewriting history and saying that they never talked about it. But but in general, they, they did try to avoid it. Um, and, I, and I think that's politically smart. Right. Um, so what does Donald Trump say today? It's a good question. I mean, there's a lot well, of— You'll be at the briefing today. I'm yeah. sure uh, you and other people are going to want to know from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Right. Exactly. Uh, I think— you know, their new line that they came up with yesterday on Air Force One on the way back to Washington is that, you know, markets fluctuate and we shouldn't panic. Mm. And, um, you know, the long term trajectory is still good. And, you know, one day of one, a one day downturn or in this case, a several day downturn, you know, shouldn't, uh, you know, shouldn't shouldn't frighten people and it shouldn't take away from the broader economic message. Um, that is, of course, a totally different tune from the one that it's sort of impossible to say both things at the same time, right? I mean, you can't say that you can't take credit for the good and then and then sort of dismiss the bad, right? Um, and of course, in reality, you know, there are a lot of factors that go into the stock market. It's not just yeah. any one president right. or any sort of political strategy. Uh, I thought it was interesting this morning, Paul Krugman, uh, whom I trust on the economy more than anyone else, uh, but he starts out his column today saying, when talking about stock market, there are three things you have to remember. Uh, the first is the stock market is not the economy. Uh, the second is 
the stock market is not the economy. <laughs> the third is the stock market is right. not the economy. Yeah, right. exactly. I mean, and and this is something that that every economist will tell you as soon as you talk to them. Uh, but I mean, I think it goes back to the fact that all our politics is divorced from reality, and this particular political moment is more divorced from reality than we've seen in a long time, right? I mean, um, this right. president isn't concerned with the reality of the econ like of economics, right? And I thought Peter Baker sums it up, too, uh, mm -hmm. on the front page of the New York Times today where he simply says, live by the market, die by the market. Absolutely. Live by the Dow, die by right. the Dow. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the White House is going to continue to face questions about this because it is absolutely a situation where um, they don't have uh, a strong sort of explanation for, for the change. But the Dow wasn't maybe the biggest news of the president's speech in uh, Cincinnati yesterday. It was he finally uh, let loose and what he feels about those Democrats who did not jump up wildly like schoolgirls uh, and applaud everything he said in the State of the Union. How dare they sit on their hands? And it got to a point where I really didn't even want to look too much during the speech over to that side, because honestly, it was bad energy. <laughs> no, it was bad energy. Oh, yes. You're up there. You've got half the room going totally crazy, wild. They loved everything. They want to do something great for our country. And you have the other side, even on positive news, really positive news like that, they were like death. And un-American, un-American. Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not? You know. Can we call that treason? Why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? So death, but don't, no, that's not bad enough. We have to go step it up one more. Un-American. No, 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 even that's not bad. We have to step it up one more. Treason. I mean, this is the most Trumpian sort of, <laughs> I mean, not only the content, but the way he phrases it, right? He always says this sort of, Somebody said, oh, some, oh, yeah. instead of instead of sort of bringing up on his own, which is what he's really doing, he, he sort of pretends like someone always, mentioned to him. Always, always, yeah. Um, you know, and this was a, supposed to be a speech about tax reform, and Republicans feel that they have a strong message on this issue, and you can debate whether or not that's true, but um, it really wasn't a speech about tax reform in the end. I mean, he brought up a few people to give testimonials about the benefits of the tax reform law, Um but really, it was a speech about Trump, and every most speech, speeches that he gives, especially in the sort of campaign rally style, which was which is what this was in Ohio yesterday, really, are really about him. It's about it's about his. It's a free form, sort of off the cuff, you know, whatever comes to his mind, and you know, it's like with Obama, you'd have to really wonder what he was thinking, right, deep down. Mm -hmm. um, with with Trump, you know, you just watch a speech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and. Um... I mean, you, you can make too much of it, um, meaning whether it was technically, legally, you know, the definition of treason. But but you do get to the point where he, he seems to be saying, as I was kidding earlier, you know, like Louis Cator is the l'état c'est moi, right? If you, <laughs> if you don't like me or if you don't applaud something I say, then you are anti-American. Right. And I mean, obviously, it's that's a very dangerous, that's yeah. a very dangerous road to go down. Um, I don't think most Republicans would agree with that sentiment in any way, right? I mean, well, because they might have all been guilty of treason under Barack Obama. I don't exactly. remember the Republicans standing up and cheering everything Barack Obama said. Exactly. Let's be real. I mean, this is what state of the unions are, right? They're a yeah. political show. Democrats sit on their hands. Republicans cheer, or vice versa, depending on the president. Um, this may have been a more extreme example of that. Of course, we're living in extremely divided times, but right. um, it's not like it's not like Republicans were standing up and 
hooting and hollering for uh, the Also, Barack I didn't Obama. hear any uh, Democrat yesterday call out, you lie. Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. What's that guy's name, Peter? Joe Wilson? Joe Wilson, Joe Wilson. from South Carolina. Yeah. Is he still around? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, he was out there commenting on the uh, the Amtrak deal re- derailment over the weekend because it happened close to his district hmm. in KC, South Carolina. Uh-uh. Yeah. He hasn't been yelling, uh, <laughs> you lie, at any presidents recently. But, yes, he's still out there. Right. So now the uh, president last week made the decision, Andrew, to um, release the Republican memo mm-hmm. uh, on prepared by the uh, um, chairman, although recused chairman, uh, supposedly, Devin Nunez, uh, about the Russian investigation. Um, this week, um, he's got now the Democratic memo in front of him, released unanimously yesterday by the House Intelligence Committee, which surprised me. Um, what's, what's Trump going to do with it? I think it's unclear. I mean, uh, and, and that's a sharp contrast from the way he viewed the Nunes memo, right? I mean, he was caught on camera he, saying 100% we're going to release it. And, and he was urging Republicans to release Before it. Before he'd even read the memo, Urging people yeah. to put pressure on the House Republicans Absolutely. to release it. Yeah, because, because it became... It was, it became a moment in the conservative world, and it was on Fox News, and he was very much aware of where how that was playing. Um, this time, they're saying we're going to go through this through the same process we did with, with the Nunes memo, and we're going to sort of give it a legal review, and we're going to give it sort of a, a review by everyone in our office, and then we're going to decide. Um, you know, I'm told by what people in the White House that it is not they with you know it is not a foregone conclusion that they will block the release. In other words, it is possible that they do end up deciding to release, and I think they'll be under a lot of pressure to do that because it would make the president look extremely partisan to not release the Democratic memo. But it is worth noting that um, there isn't the same level of absolutely we're putting it out that you got with the Nunes memo, the, the memo put out by Republicans. Uh, it would be. Hard to make an argument not to release it, but they, think so. they could come up with one. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, anything can happen. Um, I would, I don't try to make predictions with this president, but I think, you know, they're going to be under a lot of pressure to release it. Uh, he also, uh, 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 the president yesterday, sort of, uh, I was waiting for this. Uh, you know that, and uh, Adam Schiff has gotten under his skin too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so finally, <laughs> yesterday, he uh, gave, that's a sign, gave Adam Schiff a uh, a nickname, right, Little Adam. <laughs> By the way, this is like the closest thing that Washington D.C. has to the Oscars. <laughs> if Donald Trump actually bestows a nickname to you, it's yeah. it's actually kind of an honor. Oh yeah, I mean Schiff must have woken up and been totally thrilled that he was being sure. tweeted about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I wish you'd give me a nickname. I don't know what I have to do to get one. But anyway, I mean it was a repeat nickname. Yeah, to, you know we'd we'd heard the little before. Um, it was little Marco, little, bottle Marco. Was little Bob Corker, right. little, little Bob little Corker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, the president is obsessed with size in general. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so, he's, uh, so his uh, tweet was: "Little Adam Schiff, who is desperate to run for higher office," said by somebody who ran for president <laughs> of the United States. Uh, no higher office than that. Uh, Adam Schiff is one of the biggest liars and leakers in Washington, right up there with Comey. Warner, Mark Warner, Brennan, and Clapper. Kind of, uh, there it is, the, the, the four enemies, right? The <laughs> right. four horsemen, the enemies of Donald Trump. Mark Warner, John Brennan, uh, James Clapper, and Adam Schiff. Mm-hmm. There they go. I mean, I feel like, um, I mean, first, let's be clear, uh, leaking is not a specifically Democrat 
issue, right? I mean, everybody in Washington not, leaks. Not in this White House. It's how we both yeah. do our jobs. Yeah. Uh, everybody, not everybody, I shouldn't say, but a lot of people yeah. in this White House leak too. Um, so this is a political attack, of course. I mean, and I think most people in Washington see it that way, and um, hopefully people outside of Washington do too. But, um, you know, Adam Schiff, like I said, I mean, this is the biggest sort of promotion you can get as a tweet from the president, right. um, especially when you're sort of uh, overseeing him. And I have to give it to Adam Schiff that he did tweet back, and I thought he really scored here, where he said, quote, uh, Mr. President, I see you've had a busy morning of executive time, <laughs> which is what we now call when Donald Trump's in the mansion, right. watching television and tweeting. Mm -hmm. uh, quote, Adam Schiff continues, the American people, instead of tweeting false smears, the American people would appreciate it if you turned off the TV and helped solve the funding crisis, protected dreamers, or really anything else. I mean, it, he, he makes an interesting <laughs> point, shame. right? The government is in, uh, uh, it may shut down on Thursday, right? Yeah, um, right. And you don't see, I mean, I don't think, and I could be wrong, you didn't hear a lot of that in Trump's speech in Ohio yesterday, for example. Um, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I don't think he talked about yeah, I, mean, he, I don't think he talked about a shutdown or the potential for it. Um, and I don't even really think he talked about immigration or DACA a whole lot. Um, you know, and, and I think, actually, it's a really sort of weird place we're in right now where the possibility of a shutdown isn't front page news. Um, people are sort of feel like, well, we did that a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a huge deal. No, it is strange. I mean, the reality, I mean, the, 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 uh, whatever the impact of a shutdown is, is still the same. But certainly the buildup, the tension... The drama is not the same. No, right? Yeah. At all, because the I mean, president he, has this way of sucking the energy out of the room, and and anything he says is front page news. Um, and I also think most of us believe that this time they'll just do some other Mickey Mouse little right. continuation, yeah. sort of kick the can down, down the road, as they say. Yeah. And whether it's three weeks or four weeks or five weeks, we'll be back in the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, just a few weeks. From That's now. the congressional right. way. Kick it down the road. There, there, <laughs> there it is. Uh, so the the memo. Um, there's no doubt that Donald Trump was going to release a Republican memo because he had been told or he really believed that it was going to totally make his case that the re that the Robert Mueller investigation is nothing but a political witch hunt. Uh, you read the memo. All of us read the memo. Uh, did it? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it did not, right? I mean... Um... Uh, I think any objective observer would have to say it right. did not. And I think the White House, even before the memo was released, there were concerns internally that it would not live up to the hype. Um, how could it live up to the hype, right? I mean, there was, there was weeks of Reportedly, John Kelly right. told the president, right. this is not what you think it is. Exactly. Right? And other people in the, in the building did as well. Um but the president uh, had made up his mind even before he read the memo that it was going to vindicate him. And he still believes that, I think, you know. Um, uh, you know, you can't really get in his head, but but from talking to people in the building, I think he does still believe that it on some level vindicated him. Um, but I think you know, if you read well, the, if you read the document, it's not at all what people made it out to be. You know, what does the document say? And you've written about this about Carter Page. Um, well, what does it say specifically about Car Carter? Well, um, this footnote you mentioned a key footnote. exactly right. Um, and this is the, this is the issue that sort of blew up yesterday, right? Is that when they went they went, when they went to the court there was a footnote acknowledging that the dossier, which is the sort of document that has sort of started this whole thing and, and around which so much of this controversy swirls, um, was funded 
bipartisan means, right? And this was Devin, Nune, Devin Nunes talked about. They did basically not, did, not, did not acknowledge that until yesterday, and now they have, which of course undercuts uh, not the entirety, but certainly a core portion of the. So they did. So, so just so I understand that yeah. uh, I have to go back and reread that. But the Justice Department, in its and the FBI, when they went to the FISA court, they said one of the sources they used was this Christopher Steele dossier. Right. One of the sources, mm-hmm. not exclusively. Mm-hmm. And that that particular source had partisan funding or pl- partisan political funding behind it, right? In a footnote, they mentioned In a footnote. It, right. They did not say the DNC or the Hillary Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. But they also did not say the Republicans, the Republicans who paid for it initially, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if they had talked about the political... F- if they identified the sources, they would have had to identify both Republican and Democratic sources, one, right. one would think. But the sort of the, the memo itself sort of alleges that they went to the FISA court sort of in an unthinking way and didn't give any context for this document. Um, and and they, at least on a very sort of perfunctory service level, they did acknowledge that there were sort of these this uh, fund, this funding issue. Right. Well, I thought the key thing with that, uh, the, uh, the key th- a couple of key points that I learned from the memo or from the discussion about the memo was uh, that Carter Page was was not a brand new character to them, right? He was not some virgin when it came to talking right. about Russians. I mean, that they'd been suspecting Carter Page and looking into Carter Page's activity since 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and I thought it was interesting. I think Carter Page popped up on one of the cable networks Again, yesterday or the uh, day before, he was on with yeah. Laura Ingram last right. night. He was That's on Fox. Yeah, he yeah. was on Fox again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he is a man that is um, not shying away from the spotlight in any way, and he's been at the—I wouldn't say at the center, but he's been a part of this whole thing for months too. That was a great line. I th- he went on Chris Hayes' show a couple months ago, and Chris Hayes said, yeah. "You are essentially yeah. you are either right. the like." completely innocent of all crimes or you were one of the dumbest people I've ever met. <laughs> because he just goes no, out I remember that. Right. and talks to anybody. Right. Yeah. What, that guy needs a good lawyer to take. shut yeah. up. Just shut up. Yeah, I mean, you can email him to this day and he'll respond. Um, which, you know, I mean, maybe that's a smart strategy in this in this new climate, right, where... Until he's indicted. Until he's indicted, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, if you're not saying something or if, you're not, if you don't have so, people who are saying something. So, to me, that was one, one revelation is that, uh, okay, Okay, Carter Page, there was good reason for the FBI to suspect him, and they'd been doing it for a long time. And he was having all these meetings, and he was bragging about it, and he was presenting himself as a Trump emissary. And the other was that the investigation did not, in fact, start with this FISA warrant for Carter Page. The investigation was already underway months earlier because of George Papadopoulos. Right, exactly. And, And, you know, one of their big contentions is it started with this FISA warrant, Carter Page, therefore the whole thing is politically motivated, therefore... Everything Robert Mueller is doing is the that, that political witch hunt. Doesn't prove that at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, I mean, obviously the White House knew that on some level before they decided to release the memo, but I feel like they know and uh, we're all learning that often the narrative is stronger than the actual document. Like how many, how many Americans actually read the document? It's only four pages. Um, yeah, no. I would bet not a lot. How many Fox, Fox News viewers read the, read the document, you know? No, um, and the same thing will be true for the Democratic document when it's released. Sure. They believed uh, what uh, what Fox and Friends told them about the document. Okay, so down to the White House today. Uh, here's another thing I'm sure that you will be uh, talking about. Um, the White House has to decide whether or not they're going to the White House lawyers 
allowed Donald Trump to testify in front of Robert Mueller. Uh, the headline in the New York Times this morning, lawyers tell Trump to refuse Mueller interview, that even if he's subpoenaed to appear before the special counsel, um, he should not go. Why? I mean, I think that there's a sense inside the building that you don't know what you're going to get when you put this president, or frankly any president, but this president in particular in front of Mueller's team. Um, he is unpredictable to say the least. Um, he is he is overconfident, um, which I think is a, is a sort of potentially... Um, and he'll say anything, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean... I, you have to wonder sometimes whether or not he really knows the difference between truth and... <laughs> I, he definitely has narratives that he that he follows in his head that are yeah, yeah. divorced I mean, from. Does he know that he's lying, or is he just? I I will say that there lie. he he's not he's not totally unexperienced or inexperienced with um, this sort of thing. He's been through a number of lawsuits in the past in which he's and been deposed. Turned out that well for him, and in some yeah. cases they have not turned out well. Um, but I think you know, in talking to lawyers that are outside of the White House, I think that. Most lawyers would be cautious of any president testifying or not testifying, being yeah. interviewed in this sort of scenario. Um, you're sort of setting yourself up to uh, either perjure yourself or, or sort of, you know, even on something that isn't isn't at the core of the the Russian investigation, right? You could you could misspeak, you could you know, and then then you're in all this legal trouble. Um, but this is also if if he does indeed refuse, especially if there's a, sp a subpoena, he there will be an, an uh, there will be a massive legal battle over this, assuming um, yeah. Mueller decides to follow through um, on the right. subpoena, um, and this will right. be a this will be a this will be a story. I mean, and this if will you be... know if that happens, and and let's say they appeal it and it goes all the way to Supreme Court, that will dominate the news this year during the midterm elections. Absolutely, and you know any idea that they're going to be able to just talk about the tax cuts and how great they are. No, they'll be talking about And that's got to be a factor Donald in Trump, decision -making Robert too. Mueller, and the Supreme Court. Right. Yeah, got to be thinking about that. Boy, what a great beat you've got, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming in today. Yeah, thanks. Great Appreciate to see it. you. You can follow Andrew and all the rest of our good friends at Politico at politico.com, of course. That's it, folks. Don't forget to order your copy of From the Left, BillPressShow.com. Have a great day and come back and see us again tomorrow. This we'll be looking for you. This is the Bill Press Show. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.